When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good eagle morning, everybody. You got your Mac and Mac guys, Jody McDonald and John McBone here to talk birds football with you for the next two hours on show number 498. We're getting close, Johnny Mac. Thursday. 498. Can we make it, Jody McDonald? The 500? Yeah, I'm I'm planning on being here the next couple of days. I don't know. I'm worried about a sprained ankle or something. Oh, yeah. Hi. High ankle sprain. Uh, yeah. we'll have it's getting nice time. out, so yeah, it's supposed to be seventies today. Yeah, not as bad getting the dog out this morning. Uh, but we're here for the next two hours. We got two good guests coming your way, two friends of the channel of the show. Uh, and in case you're wondering how rapidly has free agency slowed, uh, yeah, pretty significant. Because yesterday, my intake of football yesterday, Johnny Mac was. All about the draft, which we're still more than three weeks away from. We've got two days and three weeks to go before the draft, but everybody's mocking their life away and uh, giving their best guess scenarios for what's going to happen come draft time. And the Philadelphia Eagles are staying busy by opening their doors and bringing in potential draft picks. And they had a couple of Georgia guys in yesterday. Not a bad idea, not a bad way to go about doing things, bring in guys from national championship teams. They did it last year in the draft in the first and third round, and they could be doing it again, including one 
who some people had. And we're going to have Rick Saratella on our pal from NFL Draft Bible uh, in less than 20 minutes from now. And if memory serves, Ricky, the first uh, mock draft that he put out postseason, I'm not talking about going back to last year, but after the college football season was over and done with, I'm pretty sure he had Jalen Carter as the number one most talented player in the draft. Not necessarily that he was going to go number one, but his positional rankings, the Jalen Carter was the guy who sat above all others in talent coming into this draft. We know he had the off-field issue, which is the reason why the Eagles are even uh, in the conversation at number 10. Um, and they just made the cutoff. This is uh, what made me laugh more than anything else. I love when players take stances like this. He refuses to visit with anyone who doesn't have a top 10 pick. That's that's kind of putting yourself on a pedestal before you ever play down in the National Football League. But I like his confidence. You know the Eagles. You know the way they handle players and uh, their uh, way of doing business prior to getting to the NFL. Are the Eagles, I guess if they brought him in for a visit, that you have to believe they're considering him if he's sitting there at number 10. Are the Eagles going to potentially call Jalen Carter's name on draft day? Um, yeah, I, I doubt it for this reason, Jody. One, if everything checks out, um, he's not getting to him at right. 10. Um, so that's number one. If everything doesn't check out and there are some issues and people do their due diligence and they find that, you know, it wasn't a tragic mistake, uh, the crash, um, you know, the fact he was out of shape at, at his pro day and couldn't finish, you know, maybe that was related to all the issues he was going through in his personal life. Maybe he was whatever. Maybe he was depressed, whatever. Maybe it's an outlier. Maybe. Uh, everyone figures out young people make mistakes. You move on. There's no legal, uh, everything settled from that standpoint. Um, so to me, there's, there's two camps, right? Like people say, all right, this kid's just made a mistake. He's really good. You're not getting a 10 in that instance, or this is a red flag. There were some issues, you know, Dom DeSandro's doing, is, you know, he got in trouble before that we don't know about and all that kind of stuff. And if that's the case, they're not going to want him. So I think they're in a position where sort of like, let's remember, we were talking about yesterday when everybody does their mock drafts, they don't take into account the 31 other teams. They're doing their due diligence. They're doing all their homework. And he's too good. As you pointed out, you know, Rick, probably had him number one i don't know we'll have ricky teams, on in 15 minutes he'll yeah, tell us he'll whether tell he did us. it or not but i'm just Mo going most teams had him number one had him number one pick most teams had him number one overall player you look at last year's number one overall pick from the same school he's a better prospect than him that gives you an example just from a pure football standpoint trayvon walker um he's really good uh so i think they're in that position where if if the off the field stuff isn't is isn't an issue, if if people assume, as I said, it was just one mistake, and he'll get back on track, he's not getting to him. And if he's a big issue, the Eagles aren't going to want him. So I think it's very very doubtful that he's going to be here. Right. Let me ask you about one of the two scenarios that you're painting, because um, you've got a good grasp on it. But 
if you're just going by, and we'll use Rick Tarantella as a, uh, a base, uh, the, the most talented player, the player that grades out the best should go number one. Doesn't always happen that way. It, may, it probably won't happen this way either because I don't think anyone had either <laughs> Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud as the, the, the highest-ranked overall player, and I still believe they're going one-two in a draft. Uh, so it doesn't always work out that way. But if you're the most talented player, the highest-graded player, and the couple first couple teams pass because they're going to a different position and a team that could actually use your skills or whatever says, no, too big a risk. We're not going to take them. At some at some point, someone is going to say, yeah, we acknowledge and we know that we're taking a bit of a chance with this player because of his off-field issues. But when you put it on the scale, the talent wins out. The talent outweighs the downside risk with taking a guy who's got some uh, personality issues, some behavioral issues. When does that number kick in? If it doesn't do it for the Eagles at 10 and it does it for whoever's drafting at 12, are the Eagles going to say, yeah, we didn't care. We had him off our board. Hey, we don't care how good a player he becomes. Or do they sit there and potentially second-guess themselves for the next decade? Um, yeah, well, you always, you know, I go back to Warren Sapp. He was in that, com you know, a guy like that. Um, you know, if you want to go Randy Moss on the offensive side of the football, um, you always second-guess if it, if it works out. But – Second guess isn't going to get you any anywhere. It's your decision making in the in the process, and you know when people were talking about him being the number one overall pick, it was because Chicago was had the number one pick before they traded out, uh, and they were very likely uh, to take him if they couldn't make a deal. They were always going to be able to make a deal because we know the quarterbacks are going to be at the top of the draft, but. They're still at number nine. They only went down to number nine. So, you know, as you know, I'm not in love with that organization. Um, but if, 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 if there's anybody who's going to do it before them, you know, you might even go to Atlanta, who's before Chicago. Um, I, I, I just can't envision a scenario where he falls to number 10 to begin with unless, unless – He's an abject disaster off the field. And I'm not saying he is. I got to make that clear. I have no idea what's going on with Jalen Carter off the field. Zero, zero, zero. That's what I'm saying. He's never getting to the Eagles uh, unless he's an abject disaster and everybody's running away. Like, you know, the opposite right. of first responders. They're running away, Jody. And if it's that bad, if it's that bad, the Eagles are going to be in that camp. The Eagles are not going to be the one that says, I'm going to take on uh, Jalen Carter. That's my opinion. Uh, I understand your opinion, uh, but I'll ask the question again. It might be a question you'd say, Jody, I can't answer because I don't have the prerequisite information to be able to ask it. Somebody's going to take them. And if the Eagles say it 10, or they, uh, how about he falls all the way till 30? 29 other teams, there's probably a couple of teams in there that got two picks, so a minimum of 27 teams, have said, thank you, no, we won't take this young man, but he's sitting there at number 30. Then the risk-reward value changes from taking him at 10 to taking him at 30. Is that a possibility? When, when, does, when do you draw the line where you go, 
All right, we know we're doing It's like uh, you got a bad habit. You, you smoke too much, you drink too much, whatever. And you say, yeah, I know I got a bad habit, but I don't care. I enjoy it too much. This is my life. When do you say, we know the kid's got a potential to be trouble and miss games and everything else, but it, to get this kind of talent at this spot in the draft, how can you not do it? General guess it when that can happen? From what I know about the Eagles, and when they red black somebody and when they take them off their board, they don't take them off their board completely. They take them off until day three. That's been their history, whether it's injury, whether it's um, off the field stuff. They're not going to consider it until day three. And then they would consider it. But, you know, that's not going to happen. There's no, no way in a million years – this kid's going to be fall to the fourth round unless he's going, going to jail in the next week that I don't know about. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just can't envision it from a football perspective. I've said this from day one, it's a no brainer. If he's number 10, the Eagles are taking him. If there's no issue, how does he fall to number 10 though? If there's no issue, I can't, I can't picture it. And ultimately, I think he's not falling to 10. So I want everyone to understand that. Because, right. you know, people jump down your throat. What are you taking? No, I think he's a, a top 10 pick. I think he's going before the Eagles select. Um, and, and, and there's no, but in what, in, in the scenario you're giving me, from what I know about the Eagles and being around the Eagles, when they red flag somebody, they'll start thinking about them in the fourth round. Yeah, and he will be well gone before the fourth round. I'm kind of with you. And again, we're going to have Rick Saratella on in less than 10 minutes. Um, Ricky may have added information to uh, what is already out there about uh, Jalen Carter and how he's being looked at by not only the Eagles, but all 31 other NFL teams. Yeah, I think someone in top 10. Even if there are warts and red flags attached, I think someone's going to call his name out. I Another Georgia player, Kaylee Ringo. DB was also in for a visit. Uh, I don't think he's someone who merits being picked at number 10 if the Eagles stay there, but the all-inclusive, well, if the Eagles trade down conversation, which remember, fans, you got to have a partner to do that. You can't just wave your magic wand and say, we'd like to pick at number 17 because then Kaylee Ringo might actually be a value pick and we could call him out. You can't just make that happen. It has to be a trade that Dowie Roseman can get done. Another Georgia guy that they're going to bring in. Here's my question to you, and then uh, I'll ask Ricky of this as well when he comes on. Um, Eagles have had upwards of 12 or 14 guys in so far, and we're still three weeks out from the draft. You're allowed 30 visits from players to come in and bring them into your own facility and sit down with them, put them to whatever workout you want. This started back in, I would say, the second week of March was the first time they brought a player in. We know Bijan was in a couple of weeks ago. I could throw out some other names for you, but it's been been ongoing for at least three weeks. What do you read into the timing? That some guys they bring in like a month and a half before the draft, and some they want to wait till just a couple of weeks before the draft. Do we read into the timing of when the Eagles invite these young men in for their pre-draft visits? 
Uh, not really. A lot of that's just logistics. A lot of these guys are visiting, you know, multiple teams. Multiple teams so, sure. you know, they might, uh, somebody might have called first and they got, Hey, I'm going to be in, uh, I'm going to be in Chicago. I'm going to be in Los Angeles. I'm going to be in Seattle. So let's do it on this day. So a lot of the timing is just when is he available? Uh, when you can get it done. So I, I don't put much into that. And I was just, you know, wrote about this so it was talking to a an XGM that you can maybe guess but I don't say his name but um <laughs> you know and I asked him about top 30 days because I asked all these and I, you know people make such a big deal out of it and he said look if you're bringing somebody in there's a modicum of interest there's at least some interest you know why would you but it's about and as I said I think on yesterday's show it's about you don't have the finished product when it comes to your report. So you there, there's something missing information-wise, and you want to figure that out. And I, I, I started thinking about Darius Geis. If you remember Darius Geis, uh, the running back from LSU, big-time talent, blamed out, had a lot of issues, uh, lasted, I think, five games, was a second-round pick. A lot of people thought he'd be a first-round pick, late first-round pick. Eagles loved him as a player, had a lot of interest in him, you know, then probably second round. But, you know, they didn't have a, a real good um, meeting with him at, at, at the combine. Um, didn't have the best personality, rubbed some people the wrong way. But they loved it, the film. They loved the player, and they brought him in for a top 30 visit. They said, well, let's see what happens. Now, there are a lot of reports at the time, which I've never confirmed, that he had a screaming match with Howie or Deuce Daly, one or the other. Really? Yeah. And I, mm. I never believed it for this reason. That, that Darius denied it. I never, you know, Deuce denied it. Nobody's screaming at Deuce Daly. He would have ripped his head off. So <laughs> I, never, I never believed it. But I never believed it. But what I, what I was told was, yeah everything at the combine was just reinforced reinforced not a fit for what they felt with the eagles now and they so that's an example of a top 30 visit the reason i'm bringing them up that's an example of a top 30 visit that ruled him out he was no longer in the equation so when i think people it can go both ways you know you 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 might have somebody in for a reason because you want to figure something out and it doesn't go the way you want and then you say hey I'm 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 done with this kid that that could be just as 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 likely a scenario as the opposite so i get it when people see names and they say oh the eagles must be interested yeah there's they want to find something out about those particular players right could the- be very good it could be very bad. You never know which way those meetings are going to yeah. go. They could go either of the two ways. Geis, uh, Washington? Washington uh, played five games because of injuries, was out of the league in two years. He had sort of uh, domestic violence allegations yeah. uh, out of the league read I, very, very quickly. I remember him at LSU. He was a player. But you're right. Yeah. That's the reason why you had these visits to judge is the player worth the squeeze. And in Geis's case, it certainly wasn't. You could 
call it a wasted second round pick by uh, Washington. All right, Jody McDonald and John McMullen, a.k.a. Mac and Mac, will continue the draft conversation with the best in the business. I've been having on my shows for over a decade. You know him from here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Rick Saratella from NFL Draft Bible is going to jump in next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Welcome back here with you on Birds 365. You know, at the end of the show, I always give you two and two. That's how many hours we're going to be back. Well, it's three and two weeks and days until the NFL draft. So we're talking NFL draft with one of our buds as good as it gets when it comes to information prior to the draft itself from NFL Draft Bible, Mr. Rick Saratella. You look like you're ready to go uh, drafting today, Saratella. Hey, buckle up. Mac and Mac. Top of the morning. Yeah, it's good to see you, bud. Yeah, good to be back. Um, a lot has changed. Looks, uh, well, looks the same. You know. 
the draft has not changed, and that's the beauty. We always get into draft season. We love having Rick Saratella here, uh, and a very exciting draft for the Eagles because they have two first-round picks. They start the process, at least, with two first-round picks. And I've been asking a lot of scouts this, so I'm going to ask you this, Rick. Top of the draft, how many real blue-chip players are in this draft? This is so unique, guys, because and I heard some of the conversation about Jalen Carter. And yes, he was my number one prospect. And yes, I did think he was a blue chip prospect. But yes, I am human. And there is that element to the evaluation process. And you see a guy that gets pulled over some favoritism treatment in the two videos that I saw. You wonder if this is habitual. Henry Ruggs, fresh on your mind. I can see why there's a report out of Las Vegas that the Raiders are taking him off the board, even though Josh McDaniels is kind of contradicting that. But, hey, that's the human nature element of it. So when you take Jalen Carter and say, hey, maybe he's not a blue chip guy, well, then outside of the quarterbacks, who really is? Will Anderson comes to mind. But I think what's so unique about this draft, like we're all taking a look, hey, who's the first cornerback off the board? Who's the first – offensive tackle off the board who's the first receiver like there's not a lot of clarity in this year's draft and I think once you get past those four quarterbacks in the top 10 and Will Anderson I still think Jalen Carter if you listen to Drew Rosenhaus uh is still inside the top 10 but I think like after those seven or seven or so guys Bijan Robinson is a blue chip after those eight guys uh 10 through 50 are very very evenly matched All right, let me remove the word blue chip and go in a different direction about the top of the draft. Again, you and I have been doing this for over a decade. You have told me on many an occasion, Jody, there may be 32 first-round draft picks. Well, actually, this year there's only 31 because Miami had to forfeit their first-round draft draft pick for tampering. Um, But there aren't necessarily 31 first-round grades. That some years you have less than 31, some years you may have more than 31. You get a, a first round talent in the top of the second round. The Rick Saratella grading method. How many first round, legit first round draft grades are you giving out? I, I'd say somewhere around 10 to 12, Jody. And, Ooh, and it's, uh, yeah. That's, that's ugly. Right. In, in any given year. Yeah, right. So, like Will Levis, remember a couple years ago when you had five running backs come out in the first round? I think Mac Jones was like the fifth one off the board. I mean, Will Levis wouldn't even be talked about as a Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if Levis falls a bit. I, you know, somebody, I think. I think if he got, I think he could go top 10, but if he doesn't go top 10, I think we could see a pretty significant stumble. So I think it's top 10 or stumble. Sort of well, like I, Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I think it's going to be quarterback one, two, and three. Right now, Anthony Richardson is heavy, heavy odds-on favorite down at Ocean Casino to be the number three pick. Yeah. And the Colts, I mean, they're going to be in trouble. They're either going to have to trade up one spot to ensure their guy or think about, hey, if it's going to cost me a, a first round next year and my number four, well, hey, do I go out and get Lamar Jackson? The Colts. I think have something to think about, but I I think it's going to be one, two and three quarterback. I think Arizona eventually trades down and then a team is going to panic for Will Levis, right? Because there's so many teams. Now you're hearing the commanders might get involved. The Titans might get involved. And at what point do they trade back into the top? Hey, Howie might be in a good spot at 10. If Will Levis gets there. Yeah. Yeah, If we're continuing to, to project the Eagles trading out of 10, 
uh, a quarterback's desi- a desire to get a quarterback could be very advantageous uh, for the Eagles at that spot. All right, quarterbacks aside, you mentioned Anderson and and um, the DT from Georgia who the Eagles had in yesterday. And B. John Robinson, I don't think gets the respect he deserves. I think we're overthinking no, he it. He doesn't right? don't help you, Rick. I mean, these fans want B. John Robinson. Well, fans always want the sexy pick, right? They want the skill position. They want the, uh, the, the you know, we know the Eagles' history. Where where does and and by the way, I think it's right. The position should be devalued if you're being realistic. But when you talk about there's certain outliers, it, how big of an outlier is he? Is he, you know, if you go back three, four, five, when's the last running back prospect that we can sort of say? is on the same level of, of, of B. John Robinson. No, I think he's in the category of Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott. Barkley, I think Barkley went number two. Two, yeah. Right? And the Giants at 25, I hate to say it, if they don't work it out with Barkley, well, they got a better, cheaper <laughs> version in B. John Robinson. And I think he could go 17 to Tampa. He can go 25 to the Giants. I, if I'm Chicago at number nine, I'm sorry. I'm considering putting him in the same backfield as Justin Fields. I'm not. Jody will tell you, I'm not an advocate of choosing running backs in the first round. Never have, never will, except Bijan Robinson has grown on me. I think he is an exception to the rule. And I think when we go back 10, 20 years from now and look back at this draft, we're all going to be kicking ourselves saying, oh, man, we really overthunk that one, huh? All right, Ricky, if uh, the Eagles stay at 10 and don't trade down, they may trade down, but we don't know that. Uh, But for today's conversational purposes, they're staying at 10. We know the Eagles want is always to go into the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. If Carter's there, then they have the whole question of can you take him or do you have to just pass and take him off your board for the first two days? Who are the other defensive linemen? If Robin, if uh, Anderson is gone and Carter is either gone or a pass for them, who are the defensive linemen, either inside or outside on the edge, that can, should, may be there, and Eagles have to be at least considering them? Yeah, I, I think defensive end specifically is the bigger need when I look at the Eagles roster just because, you know, Brandon Graham, I think, is slated as a starter right now, and, and you wonder – you know, getting a little bit long in the tooth there. Do you really want to pencil him in as a starter? So I think a defensive end would bode well. I know they brought in this uh, Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa, who's kind of been rising up the boards, and he's a redshirt sophomore. A uh, little bit limited to my liking. I know he's got some athleticism and speed and quickness. I, ha- I haven't seen him put it together and really translate and become a finisher, but the Eagles did uh, bring him in for a top 30 visit. At number 10, if I'm looking at D-end, I'm probably looking at Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Some people actually have him as a higher-rated edge rusher over Will Anderson. I, I prefer Will Anderson to stand up at the next level. Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech is a straight hand-in-the-dirt 43 defensive end. Now, he did have an injury there late in the season. He says he's fine. Tyree Wilson, I think, is the guy. Jalen Carter's a no-brainer, right? And, 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 you know, the other guy I would throw in there is uh, Murphy from Clemson. Miles Murphy, where maybe the upside isn't as great, but he's a plug-and-play impact guy. He can play up and down the defensive line there at Clemson. He's proved that. He can add weight, drop weight. Uh, Miles Murphy's been on our radar for several years. Now, if you don't get one at 10, two guys at 30, Will McDonald at Iowa State, he's literally a cyclone on and off the field, but this guy has tremendous bend 
and dip on the edge would be perfect to sit behind a Brandon Graham. Let him come in as a situational pass rusher, still a little bit raw, right? But he can develop uh, uh, in that situational role. Keon White from Georgia Tech is another guy at 30 that the Eagles would consider. And if they don't get one with the first two picks, uh, I know they brought in Jacqueline Roy, I saw from LSU. He yeah, would kind of play yeah. that Linville Joseph role, I believe. Yeah. And he might be hanging out. They got a couple picks there on uh, uh, on the back end of the draft. He might be hanging out there. Calvin Avery out of uh, Illinois is probably the best true nose tackle in this draft. So he's another guy maybe as a late round target on the defensive line. Yeah, you know, edge rusher, Ricky, it's one of those interesting positions because it's it's one of the positions where we we get curveballs occasionally. I go back to Mike Mayock with Cleveland Farrell. Didn't work out, but, you know, I think it was number four overall. Marcus Davenport, remember when the Saints moved up and they gave up an extra first-round pick? We were like, what the hell are you doing? And they he's actually a pretty good player, can't stay healthy. Um it, 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 the Eagles have brought it. You mentioned Van Ness. Um, they brought in Nolan Smith. I think they're going to bring in every Georgia player they can. Um, if, if there's one of those edge rushers that one GM falls in love with and goes higher than expected, who, who would it be for you? I think you just mentioned him, John. Nolan Smith, to me, right, people are going to fall in love with the athleticism when, when, when you're 250 pounds and you run a four, three forty, and you're more athletic than the linebacker, the running backs that you're chasing out there. Now, Nolan Smith would be an intriguing fit for Philly because he would probably slot into the Hassan Reddick role. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I like Nolan Smith playing up front. I, I probably prefer him as an outside backer. And then he's kind of playing that similar type of role as Hassan Reddick. Do you line him up opposite of Hassan Reddick? That would be, uh, creative and interesting. So I, I get the allure. The last mock I did do, I had Nolan Smith inside the top 10. Uh, I have a new one coming out. I, I think he'll be inside the top 15, but he he's probably the one guy, I think, just because of the way he tested and because he was out of sight, out of mind, he didn't really play this season. He's the guy that, that people might say, oh, Nolan Smith, yeah, right, top 10. All right, Ricky, one more defensive line guy, and then we'll move on. Uh, and I'm not even going to take a, a stab at pronouncing his name correctly or incorrectly. We had Ed Kratz on last week, and he was a fan of the edge pass rusher from Northwestern, who we'll just call Addy Addy. Addy Warbay, yeah. The start of both his first and his last name. Number one, give us that name again. And is he a guy who would be a potential draftee, like, say, number 30, with Eagles' second first-round pick? Out of Warday, out of uh, Northwestern, double-A batteries. He's charged up like the Energizer Bunny. Quick, you know, athletic. He's another one that tested through the gymnasium at Lucas Oil Stadium. If you talk about measurables, I mean, they're as good as it comes. Where what, What's going to hurt him at the next level is, is the length and the size. Like, he doesn't have the prototypical height. I think he's like six foot two and change. He has some short alligator arms that's really not going to bode well. I, I see him more as a five-tech. So he could probably fit in with the Eagles in, in those odd man fronts. 30 is a little bit too rich for my liking. I, I'd okay. feel more comfortable at 62 without a war bay just because I, I do think he's one of those guys that flashes the raw talent. But I, I, I'm not sure if he's a guy that's going to come in and compete for a starting job immediately out of the gates. And when I'm selecting first round draft picks, 
that's one of the traits or qualities that I that I tend to look for. All right, let's shift it to corners, uh, Rick. I think early in the process, you know, before the Eagles worked things out with both James Bradbury and Darius Slay, we were all thinking, well, corner, man, that might be that might be the place to go at number 10. Howie's done a good job draft-proofing this roster. They don't have to reach for anything. Uh, but that, you know, their corners are, are post-30 when Brad, Bradbury's going to turn 30 this summer, so – uh, you you have to start thinking about the future. The Eagles do that. It's about more than one season. Um, we all talk about Witherspoon and Gonzalez and Joey Porter at the top, but they brought in some interesting guys. And to me, it's a theme because they brought in Ringo from Georgia, again, Georgia. Oh, that's one theme. But he's, he's tall. He's lengthy. And they brought in that kid from uh, Kansas State, uh, Julius, Julius Brent. Brent. He's also he's even taller than Ringo, so they bring in these lengthy outside. Some people I think have said Brents could move to safety as well. I don't know if you're on in that camp. Ringo can, can really uh, Ringo yeah. can really run. Just your thoughts on where those two might fit? Well, I'll tell you, Julius Brents. There was some talk out in Pasadena because we had him out at the NFL PA Bowl. Is he a safety? Is he a corner? And then he went out and won like 90% of his one-on-one reps throughout the practice week playing cornerback. So I think he's going to have every opportunity to, to remain at cornerback. And at six foot three and a half, I mean, he reminded me of Tariq Woolen out there. That's who he yeah. looked like, you know, and he has that kind of length and that athleticism. And uh, I think he's probably more at that 62 range. Um, Emmanuel Forbes. I mean, what a, what a body type, right? What a weird. Oh, they brought him in too. Yeah. Yeah. Emmanuel what Forbes. A, yeah. What a frame on that guy. I mean, he, now he's got six pick six interception returns, maybe the best lockdown corner in the draft. The problem is, I think he's up to like 170 now. He weighed yeah, in one, yeah. he's thick, soaking wet. It, his legs are so weird looking. Like, yeah, but the Eagles got Devontae Smith. They look, yeah, I still yeah, look yeah. at Devontae they, they, Smith. They don't, legs. they don't judge yeah. you by your legs here in Philadelphia. I do, how he yeah. does it, but uh, hey, he's a good looking player. Um, Eli Ricks, was that a guy you mentioned? I, uh, Ringo. Ringo. Ringo, because the Eagles yeah. are bringing him in. Yeah, Keely Ringo. I, I, I'm I probably higher than than most on uh, on Ringo. I know he had some issues now uh, in, in man coverage this past year. He was he was on the wrong end uh, 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 of some long touchdowns, and he and he looked bad on some some plays. And I think he got too much criticism, kind of. Um, you know, like Eli Apple, he takes some chances. He gives up big plays. That's Kaylee Ringo. Now, there were some questions about his movement skills, but when I saw him go through that W drill out at the combine, I thought he answered all those questions. The other thing I like about Kaylee Ringo, he's only 21 years old. I don't think people realize he's several years younger than some of these other cornerback prospects that we're talking about. And I'll throw Clark Phillips out of Utah you know, who's a slot guy and also has a bunch of pick six interception returns. He's also 21 years old. These guys are dripping with uh, upside and, and potential. And I think sometimes in these COVID draft classes, it gets lost in the mix. Yeah. You don't realize some of these corners are 4, 24, 25 going on. Yeah. 22 years oh, yeah. Old. yeah. Yeah. When Hendon Hooker gets on the field in the NFL. Yeah. I got to talk to you about might Hooker, be 27 I mean, years old. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't want to go to quarterback. I want to go uh, back into the trenches with you. If Skaronsky and Paris Johnson are the two best uh, offensive linemen in this draft, and there's an outside chance 
did both fall all the way to number 10. If the Eagles are still holding strong at 10, the pass rusher, specific edge guy they want is gone. Maybe two of the guys are gone. And they say, we're staying with the trenches. How do you rate Skoronsky and Johnson? Is there one that stands well over the other? Will it be done by where you think he's going to play the majority of his career? Because both of these guys have played both inside and outside. How do you differentiate between those two guys? So, you know, before the show, I was looking, hey, who's the ideal pick at 10 for the Eagles? And, you know, you could state a case, Jalen Carter. I don't think he'll be there. You could state a case like Jackson Smith and Jigba would be my highest rated player, but I don't think they necessarily need him. That would be more of a luxury. I have Jackson Smith and Jigba at seven. I have Peter Skaronsky at eight. I have Skaronsky as a top 10 player. I cannot remember. Well, I can. Jake Long was the last offensive lineman I saw go through the uh, combine car wash, if you will. That smooth, that technically refined. I mean, there's nothing this guy can't do. The bend, the pulling ability, the change of direction. I mean, the way this guy moves, Peter Skaronsky can do no wrong, in my opinion. Now he's six foot three and a half. Paris Johnson, six foot five and two eighths. That's a big deal to a lot of decision makers inside war room. So I get why some teams would prefer a Paris Johnson. He's tall. He's lean. He's mean. And but just for me, Skaronsky is a little bit more technically refined. And I think he has the position versatility. And, and Johnny knows better than I do. See, I was led to believe that the Eagles were grooming Cam Jurgen strictly at center. Now I'm hearing, well, hey, maybe he slides in. To say a mile spot, I don't think that's an ideal world that the Eagles want to live in. Skaronsky now, if Malata or Lane Johnson go down like you saw a season ago, you could plug him in at, at, at the guard spot and then kick him out outside. So to me, like at number 10, Skaronsky makes the most sense, in my opinion, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I mean, it would never surprise me, Rick, if Howie goes offensive line at number 10. And I, I don't think Paris Johnson's going to be there. So I think if it's it's going to be offensive line, I'm with you. It's going to be Skaronsky. Um, and he can start, as you mentioned. Uh, he can start at right guard, then ultimately be the heir apparent to Lane Johnson, who is started talking about re- retirement for people that don't know now. He, he wants to play at least two more years, so it's a, a ways off. But you got to start thinking about it. Um, and if they can't, if they don't go offensive line, one guy they brought in that I want to pick your brain about is Johnson's teammate, and that's Dewan Jones at Ohio State. He might be bigger than my lot of for people that don't know. He's huge. Um, he, he, to me, would be a long-term potential heir apparent at right tackle. Um, where, where do you have him landing? I, I You know, I could justify Dewan Jones in the first round. and, Ooh, and I didn't think it would be that high. That might well, be a problem. Number you know, 30. I'm a little bit different. I don't, I don't see a tackle inside the top mm-hmm. 10, but I do see like five or six between 10 and 20. Oh. And that, that means that Dewan Jones can very well get pushed into – the back because listen, Broderick Jones, we haven't talked about him. Some teams have him as the number one offensive tackle. He's the more athletic, younger, upside tackle, you know, of the three. And quite frankly, some teams think Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, even though he's right tackle restricted, that's a tw- that's a top 20 pick. So there, there's 
four or five guys right there inside the top 20. Dewan Jones is that next guy for me. And I think what you're starting to see, I noticed the trends the last couple of years and this year more so than ever. And I saw it about five, seven, Richard Sherman. I think I started seeing all these six foot athletic cornerbacks. Yeah. Yeah. When Richard Sherman came into the league in that draft, I could count on one hand how many corners were six foot and ran a four, four. Now they all do. I'm starting, <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to see, I'm starting to see guys come into the league, six foot seven, six foot eight. This Dewan Jones is six foot nine. I think this is where the offensive line position is trending. Look mm-hmm. at Malata. These yeah. guys are learning how to move. And, you know, it used to be Alonjo uh, Villanova was an exception to the rule. I'm seeing more guys sprout up. I'm fine with this bend, believe it or not. At six foot nine, this guy can move. I think he's a, a plug and play right tackle. You're going to have some growing pains, but he's probably on par with you know the lower third. If you take the lower third of the starting right tackles in the league, Dewan Jones is going to come in and compete with those guys. Yeah, right. The Tennessee kid, I remember because I didn't notice him when Tennessee played during the year. He killed at the Senior Bowl. And then went in and did everything he had to do with the combine as well. And I said, there's a young man who's made himself a lot of money. Uh, he might not have been a first-round draft pick prior to the end of the season, but he has in both Mobile and in Indianapolis. All right. Want to go to the wide receiver position. You mentioned that you've got Njigba as highly rated as you do. We'll see where he comes off the board in the first round. It won't be to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, second round, they might go somewhere else. If in the third round, because I think third wide receiver is an under-the-radar need for the Eagles. Sorry, Quez Watkins, but you had a crap year. That's just me. And they also lost uh, the coach's favorite blocking wide receiver. So they they can use an upgrade at wide receiver. They're not going to use either their two first-round picks, and I doubt their second. Third-round wide receiver talent. So you've got five or six, six or seven guys, maybe more than that, have come off the board in the first two rounds. Who's someone who's in that, oh, 80th ranking overall prospect wide receiver that if he came down to the Eagles sitting there on the board, they couldn't pass on him in the third round? Yeah, and I'm with you, Jody. I have wide receiver three as a glaring need. I thought Quez Watkins was the weakest link on that offense, and you're only as strong as your weakest link. And and they need an option there uh, to diversify things and, and, and have another threat, I think, would really bode well for Jalen Hurts, right? So to me – with those four picks in the top 100, I think we covered D-line. We covered uh, offensive line. I have linebacker. I'm sure we'll get to that. But wide receiver three, I'm with you. I, know, I pick number 94. I'm looking at guys like a Tank Dell out of Houston, who at one point was considered to be in the first-round conversation. And we talk about what 40 times mean because he only ran a 4-5-0. He's now going to slide to that – mid-round range but if you look at what he's done at Houston if you look at what he did at the senior bowl Tank Dell is is a guy that creates separation he can blow the top off of the defense his game speed is what I'm going to judge him by and you throw him into the slot it's an immediate upgrade Charlie Jones out of Purdue here's a guy that doesn't get talked about enough and I'll throw Aiden O'Connell the quarterback into that equation because after Hooker I think O'Connell is the next guy, but yeah, you, you stuck with him. You've been you've been talking yeah. him up all year. You, I give you credit for not moving off. He's a good backup. 
but you know his, his his number one guy Charlie Jones I think doesn't get enough credit I think he has a basketball background he's quick he he could also slide into the slot I think he would be perfect at number 94 and uh, how about Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma you know everybody's so hot to trot for Zay Flowers and he's probably now going to be the number two wide receiver off the board I can't believe it you could probably get a Marvin Mims somewhere around 94 where the Eagles are picking. And I don't think there's going to be too much of a drop off there. So uh, to me at, 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 you know, 94 is where I would be looking to get some value in this wide receiver class. I agree. I think they have some other needs that take precedent, but they got to inject the wide receiver into this uh, corpse here. Let me ask you about a specific player. And if I uh, botch his last name, please correct me. The kid from LSU, Boutte? Kayshawn Boutte, yeah. Yeah, what, where would you say his talents place him to potentially go in the draft? Well, he's like Jackson Smith and Jigba. You got to throw this year out the window for a completely different reason. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba was hamstring injury related. Kayshawn Booty has some uh, interesting off-the-field activity that NFL teams are going to want to look into and investigate and make sure they feel comfortable with that. Now, it didn't help that he went out and just completely flunked at the combine. I mean, atrocious numbers. You've got to sit down with this young man and find out what's going on in here. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, he, he he's he's in danger of slipping now to day three. Okay. At, at one point, talked about as a potential coming into the, this time last year, we were talking about Booty as a potential first round pick. So if you can get a guy like that on day three, and these LSU wide receivers, he might be less of a headache than OBJ at this point. But uh, he'll he'll be hanging out on day three, I think. But okay. I like the upside and opportunity. I like his talent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Hooker, we mentioned, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback from Tennessee. I want to bring him up for this reason. Obviously, it doesn't involve the Eagles, but it does involve the Eagles for this reason. Uh, they don't have a fourth, a fifth, or a sixth as we start the process, Rick. They're going to want to add. They're going to want to move down. You need two teams to tango, though. So I look at that number 30 slot, and we always talk about the fifth-year option. There's certain players you want, certain positions you want the fifth-year option with, the most notable being quarterback. He's, he's older. He's an older prospect. He's got the ACL. Is he worthy of going in the first round? Is somebody going to want Hendon Hooker in the first round? Could that be a spot where the Eagles – can move out, maybe move into the top of the second round and sort of garner some day three picks or even a day three pick. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Hendon Hooker is better than Anthony Richardson or Will Levis in the world I live in, right? I mean, if, I'm, <laughs> if I watched any college football last year. So I absolutely think there's going to be a market for Hendon Hooker. I just think that because he was – Again, out of sight, out of mind with the injury. The media didn't quite pick up on him. But everything he's done behind closed doors, meeting with NFL teams, on the board, on the whiteboard, he's been highly impressive. He's actually, if you, if you listen to his camp, ahead of schedule on the injury. They say he's going to be ready for training camp. Me, personally, I'm going to probably just redshirt him a year and, and let him sit. And to Jody's point, he'll probably be 27 years old, year two, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. In, in fact, as a quarterback, to have a guy that's mature, experienced, has seen the bullets fly, uh, I absolutely believe Hendon Hooker will be selected in the first round. 
Yeah, you like them better than I do. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, you got to get that fifth year in, John, in his age 31 year. Yeah, that, that, that's going to be huge for Hendon Hooker. Well, you know, to that point, guys, you know, everybody's talking about this new trend and the NFL's a copycat league and they saw what Mahomes did. They saw what Burrow hurt, hurts. Everybody's hot to trot on this new formula. But if you're taking a guy like Hooker or Anthony Richardson who has to sit on the bench for two or three years, what's good having a five-year option if they're, they're not ready to play? for two or three years so the, the window becomes smaller and I, I i think it's interesting you know too like lamar jackson are you telling me that somebody's not gonna roll the dice there i i'm still waiting for that domino to fall yeah it hasn't fallen yet all right ricky two positions i want to specifically ask you about depth wise because the eagles certainly are going to need to draft players at these positions but it's not a priority for them has never been before don't think it's going to be this year They've done some free agent signing, what John call it, draft proofing, adding guys so they don't have to draft specifically for need. Safety, linebacker. If they're not going to take one with their either their first two or their second round pick, if they do get their hands on fourth, fifth, sixth, because they don't have those type picks now, what's the depth like at those two positions? If the Eagles are going to wait till – uh, day three to try and pick up some improved play at both linebacker and safety. Good year to try and do that. Bad year to try and do that. What do you think about the depth at the safety and linebacker positions in this year's draft? Yeah, I like the linebacker depth a little bit more than the safety depth, but I think these are two positions that have also been somewhat devalued, especially linebacker. Like, I don't know if we're going to see an off-ball linebacker in round one. I know Trent Simpson is that guy out of Clemson that everybody thinks could be number one off the board, but last mock I did, I couldn't find a home for him. And you wonder what kind of trickle effect that has because if Simpson now goes into round two, well, Hey, uh, some pretty good players getting pushed down the board. We saw it with N'Kobe Dean, right? We were talking about him in the first round mix and Eagles got him in in round three, right? So uh, Dalen Henley out of Washington state fits the mold for me. And he's somewhat of a one-year wonder. I think he had like 116 tackles this past year flying around the field. But down in Mobile, to me, that is a, a litmus test. He was moving at a different speed than everybody else. And that really stood out to me. And I don't think – I don't see nobody talking about Dalen Henley out of Washington State. I think he would fit in great with the Eagles. How about Drew Sanders on the come around? The, the, the Alabama transfer winds up at Arkansas – some people like him as a, a as an outside pass rush linebacker. I like him. I like moving him to the inside and being a ball hawk. So Drew Sanders would be a guy I would be looking at. How about Noah Sewell? We know about his brother Penny Sewell out of Oregon. Boy, I love Penny Sewell. By the way, unbelievable. Oh. Play. And and Noah brings that same chip. Yeah. He's got that same ferociousness, right, and that same uh, tenaciousness and mentality. And he didn't quite have the year that people anticipated there in Oregon. And I think he can now be kind of a mid-round uh, value play. And then Jack Campbell, man, out of Iowa, six foot four, 260, runs, I think, you know, four, five, five, four, six, oh, in that range. He's just a big, bruising, downhill, thumping linebacker. Yeah, that, Eagles don't want that, Rick. Well, yeah. But they want 205-pound guys who can run. Well, Campbell's yeah. a guy, though, it, to your point, if you want a mid-round value, but you're right. Henley would fit that mold. Noah Sewell would fit that mold. Trent Simpson would definitely fit that mold. I'm not sure that he'll be out there at 62. Drew Sanders at 62. And I'll give you one other guy. 
you know, they're picking at uh, 219 and 248. Michael Ayers out of Ashland, I'm hearing might get drafted. This guy came out as a safety at a high school, packed on 40, 50 pounds, didn't get a combine invite. I don't think any scouts made the Ashland Pro Day, but when they were there in the spring, <laughs> he ran yeah. a 4 5 40 at linebacker. He can play safety. He could play linebacker. You can move him around. We had him out in Pasadena. Almost every team wanted to line up and talk to this young man. Michael Ayers nice. yes. out of Ashland would be a good fit. <laughs> at Rick Saratella. I'm so thrilled you're back. It's draft R-I-C. Follow Rick on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible. I'm going to put you on the spot twice for my final question. One is the NFL Draft Bible's back. So I'm requesting on air my media copy, Rick yes. Saratella. Number two, that's the most important part. Number two, you talked about those seventh-round picks. Hey, man, the Eagles need a punter. We saw Brett Kern, not good enough. Aaron Sipas, big contribution to that Super Bowl loss for people that didn't notice, uh, kicking uh, the football the wrong way to Kadarius Toney. Give me a seventh-round punter for your Philadelphia Eagles. I got a good one. Uh, Robbins from Michigan, okay? I was hanging out, and only because I saw it up close in person, I was hanging out with Nick Novak uh, at the Rose Bowl before the game. He goes, hey, come here. I want to show you something. Look, Check out this punter I got. And it was Robbins from Michigan. And he goes, check him out. He's got a lefty spin on his ball. Wow, Belichick will love him. But he's a right-footed punter. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and, he's, and he's booting him up to the moon, and, and, and the receivers are bobbling him. And you know what they say about a lefty punter? It's good for one win a season. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and if you can't find a lefty punter, finding a right-footed punter with a lefty spin, this kid Robbins, I never saw anything like it. There was like 20 scouts lined up after practice waiting to speak with the punter. Wow. All right, then wow. I'll follow up where Johnny went. And he's got you talking about devalue and uh, teams not wanting to draft. Nobody's going to draft just a return guy. So it's got to be a guy who can actually play at whatever position, running back, wide receiver, defensive back. But who's the best return guy in the NFL uh, going into the NFL draft? And where are you looking at him potentially getting drafted? Is he a guy who can actually play and be a contributor on either offense or defense? Is there a returner that just jumps off the page at you and you say, yeah, this guy's getting drafted? Well, you know, DJ Turner at 426, I think, you know, might be uh, a weapon back there in the return game. Uh, one guy I do like, and he's not necessarily return man, but plays all four special teams units is this Michael Wilson out of Stanford. He could now come in and compete and be a legitimate bona fide wide receiver four or wide receiver five, help you out on all the special teams units. He had some injury woes at Stanford, so he might be a little bit devalued. But, yeah, mid-round, late-round pick, he would certainly fit the bill. And, uh, you know, Starling Thomas, remember that name at a UAB. Okay, he could come in. He could back up uh, the, 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 the slot corner that's always hurt for the Eagles. Um, Monte Maddox, yeah. Yeah, so Starling, you know Star Starling Thomas, though, at a UAB, he's been timed on the G that catapult GPS tracker, 24.2 miles per hour. He's an all-world track athlete, blazing return man, solid slot cover guy, Starling Thomas V, UAB. 
Speaking I tried of- to get the Eagles to draft Marcus Jones last year. I tried, I tried, I tried. Uh, that worked out for the Patriots. What they pick him third round, I think, Ricky. Right I, that's, there, yeah. That was a little bit higher than I thought, but man, he can play. He's a returner. He could he could play he he, he played defensive back. He could play receiver. Unbelievable versatility. Man, they should have took. Well, how about this? One one last guy. He's not getting drafted, and I can't even remember his name. There's a wide receiver at Davenport. Okay, Davenport D three. He led the team in receiving. He was the team's main punter. He handled kickoff duties. Oh, by the way, he returned kicks and punts. The Davenport wide receiver. Right, we got to do some research on him. Since you went to UAB, a guy who I did see play a game last year, I said, holy snot. And then he kind of petered out as the season went on. I think he had some injury issues. Where's Dwayne McBride going to be taken? The UAB back. Yeah, you know, he didn't run as well as we thought he would. Yeah. So he, I think he was up there in the league, leading the nation and running. I think he's more of a change of pace committee type backup at the next level. And, you know, probably mid to late day three, you start thinking about him. All right. Yeah, he was a guy who at one point I said, wow, last year. But uh, like I said, didn't finish off the year the way he needed to. But somebody's going to take him. He will be drafted. Uh, we will draft you to return with us and rejoin us over the next couple of weeks before the draft actually takes place. Rick, always a pleasure. If people want to get the NFL Draft Bible, how best do they do so? Yeah, we're finishing uh, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, guys. I popped out for oxygen to come chat with you. Is uh, ha- glad to be back. Shout out to all the chat room people. I see you out there. Uh, AllAccessFootball.com. If you want the hard copy, yeah. the PDF, uh, my newsletter, the insider updates, pro day risers, all that good stuff. We got you covered. By the way, I love the Jersey Pride, Rick. I love it. You know, I, I get I get pulled into a lot of different markets this time of year. So I went with the Turnpike Neutral. Jersey, you know, I could do the Jets show, I could do the Giants show, I could do the Eagles show, and it's all it's all love. The Garden State appreciates you. Ricky, always a pleasure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thanks, bud. Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible here with us on Birds 365, giving us some good draft insight and a couple of names that I hope you jotted down. I jotted a couple down because uh, they're they're news to me, and Rick usually hits on these. Uh, believe me when I talk. By the way, you know, I was bringing up Marcus Jones. That bothers me. Uh, I that's really... what I forgot to say. Beat the Jets last year. That's why I flipped Oh, my Marcus God. Jones. He was a first-team All-Pro as a returner. If you go to his Wikipedia page, they list him as a cornerback return specialist wide receiver. He had 39 tackles, two interceptions, seven passes defended, a pick six. 
He had uh, four receptions for 78 yards and a touchdown on offense. He was the best uh, punt returner in football. He was a good kick returner. Man, the Eagles should have drafted him. And he specifically beat the Jets last year. I remember that one all too vividly. Uh, he's John McMahon. I'm Johnny McDonald. You got your Mac and Mac guys. Did we mention who our second hour guest is going to be? A name that you will surely recognize from right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. And yeah, prior to him being a tremendous host for the Eagles postgame show here on Jacob Media, he used to play a little football uh, by the name of Seth Joyner. Uh, Seth's going to join us coming up in less than 20 minutes. So stay right here with Mac and Mac. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Rick Saratella jumping in with us here on Birds 365. We'll certainly get Ricky up again before the draft. We still got three weeks to go before the big three-day selection process for the Eagles and everybody else. It's creeping up on us, though, Jody. Creeping up on us. 
Yeah, short off weeks. season. Short off season. All right, since you went there, let me go there. Um, because I did, uh, uh, I don't know that I brought it up since. When uh, Nick Triani spoke out at the uh, league meetings, someone did ask him about a Super Bowl hangover. And the reason why I'm going back to it now is I did field a couple of calls on WIP last night as to why the Philadelphia Phillies are 0-4. Oh, they must be suffering from the World Series hangover. Hang a big hangover. That's that's malarkey. They got 158 to go, by the way, people. I and I'm not even going there. there. I'm just going at the the 0 and 4 start that they have. Did I miss something? Did they not lose the World Series? Yeah, I um, would think that if you get to the championship level and you're right there, knocking on the door, and that close, and you don't finish the deal, you would be that much more uber motivated. To get up and over the top, not the Super Bowl hangover. You know, all the chicken dinners you got to um, go to on the charity circuit, the award dinners, whatever. I think there is a legitimate Super Bowl hangover, depending on the team and what you've accomplished. When you lose, you lose the right to say, oh, we're suffering from a Super Bowl hangover. Oh, we're suffering from a World Series hangover. No, you lost. And the Phillies and the Eagles are in the exact same spot. And Sirianni's already on record. We're not going to have a Super Bowl hangover. Well, you better not, because I'm not buying the World Series hangover for the Phillies, and I won't accept it if that's an explanation why the Eagles are two and three in this upcoming season. Well, hey, you don't have to accept it. I, I do think the circumstances are a little bit different. I think, you know, the Phillies made a, uh, a run that not many people were expecting. Uh, so I would say they overachieved. Um, maybe if you go back to the start of the process, um, people could say that about the Eagles. But by about midseason, we knew the Eagles were really good. The Eagles were one of the favorites. I argued they were the best team in football, the most well-rounded team in football. I think their circumstance is a little bit different because they certainly feel I happen to agree with them, but they certainly feel that they left something on the table. They didn't overachieve. If anything, from their perspective, they underachieved. I think that's how Nick will um, tackle it and say, look, we were the best. We got to take advantage. We got to go back. We got to. So the Super Bowl hangover, that's, you know, that's for other people to discuss. And um, but they're going to be held up to the standard. I got another one of those emails with, um, you know, playoff odds and, uh, you know, the Eagles are 78% to make the playoffs. Again, even with all the attrition, the 10 players lost, the seven starters, everybody thinks this team is really good. Um, the expectations will start higher than where they started last year. Uh, but, yeah, Nick's not going to, take Super Bowl hangover for any excuse. Um, and I don't blame them. I think the problem for the Eagles is completely different than the Phillies in that the Eagles' expectations are out of whack. I've been talking about it for um, a long time now because they were so good last year and they didn't get over the top. And whether you can talk about the numbers – in the best passing defense statistically in two decades, the 70 sacks. These, these are not things that the franchise record wins even. 
These are not things that are sustainable. And even if you take a little bit of a step back, people are going to be saying along the ride, they're going to be saying, what the hell's wrong with this team? What the hell's wrong with this team? The expectation. Now, ultimately, if you go and you finish the deal, doesn't matter. Right. You got 40 sacks. You got the 10th rank passing. Doesn't matter if you win the Super Bowl. But on, on the route to that potential end game that they hope to achieve, I think it's going to be really di- – I think that's his biggest hurdle, not Super Bowl hangover, right. anything. I think expectations are the biggest And hurdle. I mentioned this last night, and you and I dealt with it plenty here on Birds 365 last year I did on WIP, and uh, we'll both deal with it with this upcoming season. Strength of schedule. Everyone likes to think that they know everything about strength of schedule. Oh, the Eagles didn't play anybody. That's why they were 14. They didn't play anybody. That's why. They... Well, guess what? You play who you play, and you can't control it, and the schedule is carved out well before the season ever starts. So all you can do is go out and win the games that you have sitting in front of you. Right now, on paper, we know the Eagles are going to play. We just don't know when they're going to play, and we know where, uh, and we know who, but we don't know when yet much harder schedule this year, John. And if you believe in that having a major effect on what they were able to do, compare the strength of yeah, that they I finished don't. against against the strength of schedule on paper they have yet to play, oh, it's going to be significantly harder this year. I, I, you don't look I, at it. You, I, I, you know you, me. You I thought look at uh, strength of schedule when you don't even know how good a team is. That, exactly. And, and I look at it like, and I, I coined that phrase – and I like it, so I keep saying it. The Eagles turned uh, a somebody's into nobody's last mm-hmm. season. So, you know, uh, look, you play who's on the schedule. But this league is, we all know, since the days of Pete Rozelle, it is is built on parity. Uh, they, they, you know, they try to set everything up for parity. There is literally worst to first every year, every year in this league, there was a worst to first, at least one. There's usually more than one. And by what that, I mean worst in the division to first in the division. Um, who's that going to be? You know, there's first to worst often uh, that are first place, last place. People have already speculated on certain teams that look like they can't. You know, some might say it about the Eagles, to be honest, using that excuse. Yeah, not no, no way they finish behind the command. No, the zero. So. I I agree, but I don't pay a modicum of attention to those scheduled things, and especially when they're based only on win loss. Like Football Outsiders does the advanced stuff. All right, I'll take a look at that. That's a little bit more credible. But as far as just win loss on last year. Think about how much change there is in the NFL from one year to another. We're talking about with the Eagles, seven starters, 10 key players. When you talk about reserves lost in free age, we haven't even done the draft. We don't know who's coming in. Um, I I don't pay any attention to, to those strength of schedule based on records. Yeah, I do. Now, I'm open-minded, and you're right. We haven't even had the draft yet, so I can have an opinion on it today. And it could change next week if somebody goes down with a massive injury at a key position like quarterback and or change it in four weeks down the road because, oh, my God, a team killed it in the draft, whatever. 
the only the only true strength of schedule rating you want to put out is like your prediction before the season starts. How many games do you think your team's going to win? What you say all off season means diddly squad until you get the week before the season starts, and then I think you can and should have an opinion on what kind of strength of schedule is going to your team is facing. Oh, and then they play the game. Do you find out whether you're right or wrong? Because it is. It's speculative. You don't know what team's going to go up, what team's going to go down, who's going first to worst, and who's going worst to first. Yeah, that happens all the time in the NFL. For we're that easy, we'd all just gamble on the league for a living. We wouldn't have to do birds 365. We'd just sit at home and make our correct wagers, and it would be a hell of a lot easier on all of us. But it's not that easy. But you got to, if you're going to do what we do, you got to have an opinion on it. You got to be able to. Well, uh, yeah, that's my yeah. opinion. I Now, I'll look at it and say they play the AFC East. Now, on paper, that looks like a good division. Yep. Uh, the Jets, your Jets are going to be better when they get Aaron Rodgers. Buffalo is still Buffalo. Miami looks better. The Patriots are probably the worst team in that division. When do we ever say that, uh, projecting going in? Well, you know what? The NFC West isn't what it once was. Um, I think San Francisco is going to be still a good team. Arizona, they'll probably be better, but they're not going to be good. The Rams still stink. I think Seattle's a candidate to go backwards. Then you look at the the opponents. Why do you think Seattle's a candidate to go backwards? Well, I I don't, you know, I'm not all in on Geno Smith. I think they overachieved. I think a lot of, I'm, you know, I talked about those betting odds. They're in that category if you look at them. And then you look at the conference opponents based on division placement. Minnesota might be the top team that people expect to go backwards because of all the outliers winning whatever they won, eight one-score games. They're going to go backwards. Tampa Bay, yeah, who the hell's the that's, quarterback? That's a break. The fact They're going to go Tampa backwards. Um, and then you have the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs, and then you have the division. So there's a lot that are expected to go up. There's a lot that are expected to go down. And when it comes out of the wash, eh, are you a good team or are you a bad team? If the Eagles play like they did this year, they're going to be just fine. I don't think they're going to play like they did this year because they lost a little bit too much, but I still think they're a they're a good team. But the one thing he said that I will definitely agree with, sorry, Eagle fans, I'll apologize in advance. Today, as we sit here, there's no way I can make this a 13-win team. I'm just sorry. You can't do it. Off what they lost, off the fact that they're playing a tougher schedule, they can still win the division. They're going to be in the playoffs. I certainly look at them as a playoff team. And, and I today, if I got to pick the NFC East winner, uh, first time in how many years, John? Has it been 20 since you yeah, got back to Andy Reid? a long Reed? time. That, that's my biggest concern. Dallas is a good team. Um, by the way, I didn't even talk about the NFC East. I think the Giants are a candidate to go backwards. I think they overachieved. Uh, Washington doesn't have a quarterback. They're worse. At whoa, least whoa, right whoa, now. whoa, 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 whoa. Ed Kratz begs to differ. Washington has a quarterback, and his name is Sam Howell. Uh, and I know where you come on that camp. So you're agreeing with me that yeah, Washington. I yes, uh, I am. Um, so in theory, the division should be easier. Um, you know, unless Washington fixes some stuff and the Giants uh, can can sustain. Yeah, but see, what, here's, here's the deal. Since we're talking about just the Eagles, 
they went five and one in division. So they're going to go six and oh, they're going to beat Dallas twice. They beat uh, the Giants twice. That they beat. Oh no, they lost to Washington. Oh, shoot, well, they're not. Them. They're not setting right. another franchise record and wins again. Expectations. I go back to my expectation. If that's your expectation, all right, they're not going to be that good. But it's got nothing to do with the schedule. It's got to do with how do you how do you how do you play that well again for two consecutive? I think if it's the exact same team next year with the exact same schedule they had this year, I don't think they finish what as well as they finished this year, just because it's a, it, it's so hard to do. It's so hard to play at that level. And that's what was so disappointing. They came up Darius Slay level of short in the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, they 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 got purged by free agency, and they knew they were getting purged by free agency. Um, Fourteen and three is just hard to do. Uh, yeah. If if they had been sixteen and one, then I would go no friggin' chance whatsoever. Fifteen and two, yeah, they can't do and that. By the way, it's fourteen and four- three. They were better I, if than it's a yay or nay bet. You got to bet. Can they go 14 to three again? Yes or no. I'm with you. I'm going no. But if they've been able to keep the team together, Jalen Hurts actually takes a step forward, which I do think is a possibility. I I wouldn't just give it a 0% chance. chance I, I would give it a 0% yeah, chance. And I here's why. They were 16 and one before the Super Bowl when Jalen Hurts was on the field. 16 and stinking one. So you were talking about that 16 and one. You know, I, I always talk about Peyton Manning, the most consistent regular season quarterback I've ever seen in my life, you know, but he didn't go 14 and two, 14 and two, 14 and two. There were some 12s and 11s making very few 11s, but there were some 12s mixed in. You can't win at that level. 16 and one with the starting quarterback. Yeah, I, you know, that's hard to do, Joe. No, but uh, it's not impossible. And maybe I'm giving Jalen Hurts too much, but maybe your rooting interest is sneaking into my opinion here. All right, coming up next, we're hoping to hear from our boy Seth Joyner. Hadn't joined us yet in the green room, uh, but we hope that he does. <laughs> we haven't had Seth on in months. Shoot, since in season was the last time we had Seth on. A lot of changes with the Philadelphia Eagles since the season ended. Personnel-wise, coaching-wise, uh, Seth, never afraid to share an opinion on the Eagles in general, but specifically on the Eagle defense. Uh, Seth, join us. Scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say. 
We got this. Call 215-458-2222. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. We are waiting uh, the arrival of uh, Seth Joyner. Hopefully he jumps in here today. Did uh, say he could join us at the 920 spot when I texted him yesterday. Hopefully uh, he's gotten the uh, link and, and he jumps in here any second. Uh, but before we get Seth on, let me ask you about Seth's old position. Because the Eagles have made one addition at linebacker little bit of an undersized guy coming in from the Chicago Bears, Nick Morrow. Um, and they haven't done anything else. They lost both Kaiser White and uh, Edwards this offseason. So they're down two. They've added one who may or may not seem to be a fit for the way the Eagles uh, usually play or played last year under Jonathan Gannon. And we're thinking similarities with Sean Desai this upcoming year. They still got a free agent linebacker signing in them. Is it going to be dealt with during the draft? Are they just going to pick a linebacker in the seventh round? And Howie Roseman used the term lottery tickets with a couple of his free agent signings. Anytime you're drafting a guy in the seventh round, I'm sorry, that's a lottery ticket. Yeah, sometimes you cast those, Brock Purdy. Thank you very much. Yeah, Uh, they they hit on a lottery ticket with T.J. Edwards, and they, you know, they gave it away. Um, Exactly. They didn't give it away. Obviously, TJ got a pretty good deal, and obviously, uh, but I thought he'd get more, uh, to be honest, uh, in free agency. Um, and maybe he just wanted to go back to Chicago, but I don't know. I the Eagles just didn't want to pay that number. Um, 
I don't know what to say at linebacker anymore. So it would be good if, if Seth pops in. I assume he's in Arizona. So, <clears throat> you know, mountain time out there. But um, no, as a matter of fact, in Arizona now. Oh, uh, well, they don't. Yeah, that it's back to a three-hour time difference. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Arizona's screwy. It's, it's West Coast on, time yeah. for them now during the uh, yeah. daytime hours. Yeah, uh, daylight so, hours. Well, I, it would drive me crazy to live out there, but I'd love to live out there. It's beautiful, but uh, the time would drive me crazy. Um, but getting back to the all-important linebacker position, look, how do you go into a season? This is what I'm talking about with expectations, Jody. I mean. You love Nicobe Dean more than me, but I yeah. like Nicobe Dean a lot. I think he's got tremendous instincts. I'm a little bit concerned about you know his size and all that kind of stuff, um, but I think he's a really natural football player, and I'm okay with that. You know, I thought you know if you can get one of the two back and 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 TJ or Kaiser and put Nicobe next to him, I I would have been fine with that. But the fact that you got to replace both of them. And, you know, Nick Morrow right now is the guy we, we, we pencil in as a starter. Is Christian Ellis, is he more than a special teamer? Maybe. Um, he played really well on special teams. He showed a lot of athleticism. Uh, you still have Sean Bradley, another good special teams player. Um, but, boy, if you're considering yourself a true contender, and you're going into the season with Nicobe Dean, who has played, I think, 44 snaps in his rookie season, and Nick Bar- Morrow, who played a ton, by the way, in Chicago. But again, in Chicago, maybe the worst team in football. Um, a lot of Eric Wilson traits there, undersized, big numbers, but big numbers because he played a lot. Somebody's got to play on a bad team. Um, I don't know, man. I would not be comfortable with that if I'm the Eagles. And maybe you go all the way back to Jeffrey Lurie at the league meeting saying it's all about offense, essentially. And we're going to – he basically said we're going to cobble it together on defense. And man. it's funny. Um, I just punched up the uh, uh, still available free agent linebacker just to see if anything jumped out at me. I didn't even realize this. Eric Wilson was on the Packers last year. Yeah, they re-signed him too. And yeah, for uh, 1.2 million, that smells like veteran minimum to me. But yeah, they brought him back. God, he stunk when he was here. How the hell did he stay in the league all last year? I don't remember him playing for the Packers, to be truthful. You must have been a backup. But yeah, they they specifically have already re-signed him for next year. How bad was that guy when he was here? Uh, he was not good, but he was miscast. He's not a starting linebacker. He's a special teams player. He's a backup linebacker. And if that's his role, you're probably fine with him. Um, you know, the Eagles brought him in to be a starter. You know, he only played in Minnesota because of injuries. Anthony Barr got hurt. Uh, Eric Kendricks got hurt. The only reason he was out there was because of injuries. And he made some plays and, you know, the Eagles misprojected that. And he made some plays on a really bad defense. Um, and again, I got I love that quote. It's like a 20-point scorer on a bad NBA team. Somebody's got to score. You know, if you're losing 120 to 80, somebody's still got to score. 
and if you 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 forget the context of the record, forget the context of the game, and say, "Oh, twenty point score, that's pretty good." That's what the Eagles did with Eric Wilson, and that's what I think the Eagles are doing with Nick Morrow and saying, "Oh, well, he played a thousand snaps, he had decent production." I think they're do- now. I don't think Nick Morrow is going to be as bad as Eric Wilson, but I think they're going down the same kind of path. And uh, again, I just punched this up. Spotrack's listing of the free agents that are still out there. They do so by contracts. And again, the labeling of certain players that you and I just, uh, it almost makes our skin crawl. They list Melvin Ingram as an outside linebacker. (laughs) That's like Hassan Reddick being listed in outside. No, he's not an outside linebacker. He's an edge defender. And if you understand the way defenses are lined and played in the league this year, you just, you can't look at a guy and call him a linebacker. But some people do. Every, there's still more people do. You into the 3-4-4-3. Three, four, four, three. Well, you got to be something. You can't be what the Eagles have created and other teams have created. The Fangio defense creates for teams all over the league. Yeah, Melvin Ingram. Are you? Do you have? In, should the Eagles have interest in Melvin Ingram as a an outside no, linebacker? John? No, I mean we we you know more people do it than not. I, you know, it's one of my pet peeves. It it drives me nuts. Yep. I mean, Hassan Reddick, and again, it was the, and I'm going to look it up uh, while I talk here to 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 explain it to people exactly. Is you know I thought it was the best troll. Uh, of Jonathan Gannon last year when he said, you know, Hassan was having the great year, was late in the season, had all the sacks, and he, he joked that he'd probably have 25 if I didn't drop him in the coverage in a, in, as much as I did. And, uh, you know, a lot of fans ran with that, and they thought he was being serious and, and thought he made a mistake. And it was really, you know, making fun of people who yeah. say that oh, yeah. kind of stuff? Um, he he dropped <laughs> he dropped into coverage. I don't know less than he ever has. Um, do, do, is there a website that will tell you how many times a guy drops into coverage? Yeah, uh, Pro Football Focus. Group. Do they That's really break it down that finitely? Yeah, more power yep. to them if they do. Yep. Um, and I'm 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 looking it up as we speak, but it was like 60 times, you know, in 16 games. It was, and it was his lowest ever in his career. Um, it, yeah, but, but linebacker. <laughs> yeah, he's about as played about much linebacker as you or I did for the Eagles this past year. All right, um, I don't know if you did or didn't uh, take part in yesterday, but when when did the Eagles? Uh, make Contavious Street available to you guys. Yeah, right. yesterday. That was yesterday. Uh, That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, See, Mike, a really, kid with a lot of personality. I don't know if oh, he's a player man. or not. Really, but, uh, really, really articulate, really yes. smart. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know if he can play, but um, he, he came across really well. Um, but, I mean, hard not to like him. But, again when we talked about that term lottery tickets, um, that's what he is. And if he's, if he's more than the fourth rotational guy, something's gone wrong. 
with the Eagles. You know, you have Fletch, and this is before the draft. Right. Yeah, Fletch. Which, yeah, oh, by the Williams. way, I think there's a real good chance that one of their first two picks is going to be on a defense So do I. I, I, you know, I think number one might, no, 10 overall might be defensive tackle. I think they're bringing in a defensive tackle. Now, they used five defensive tackles, so it's not like they won't have time. But remember, even a guy like Marlon Tui-Pelotu, who everybody forgets, they have Fletcher Cox, they have Milton Williams, they have Jordan Davis, they have Marlon T., and now they have Contavious Street, and that's what they've done. They've draft-proofed the roster. Now, that's not Linball Joseph, even at his age. That's not Indomitian Sue, even at his age. You've taken a bit of a step back, and if they add – I'm on the Kalaja Kansi bandwagon. If they add somebody like that, well, he's going to play. You know, Davis is going to play. Bletch is going to play. Milton's going to play. How many, how many reps are there going to be? for a guy like Contavious Street. If they don't draft a defensive tackle, there's more of an opportunity. But if he's playing 46% of the snaps, which is what he played in New Orleans last year, um, that's not good. That's not good. And by the way, uh, Hassan Reddick was targeted 12 times in coverage last year. On uh, how many times did he drop back? Did you say 60, 40? 60. 60. He was, they only uh, noticed it and were able to target him 12 times. Yeah. Uh, that that might be shame on the offense. right? And that, by the way, and people say, well, you'd never do it. I've heard that question. No, you, it's called, a, you know, it's like a baseball pitcher. Do you always throw fastballs? If you just throw fastballs, somebody's going to figure it out and catch up to you. You're a baseball guy, Joe. Right. You have curveballs, you have slider, you got to have different pitches. Um, occasionally, Dom Capers was the first, you know, probably with the zone blitz, and that's what you try to do. You try to fool the quarterback. Nobody's putting Hassan Reddick in coverage to put him in coverage. You're trying to do something else, and you're trying to disguise and fool the quarterback. Disguise is a good thing. Unless it's third and 30 against the Cowboys. And then they tried to disguise and they kind of got caught on that one. That that was an ill well, would help. I, I will disguise. say it would help if you execute the disguise. Un- um, understood. But uh, you, you, you're dropping your backup. You, you don't have to get that cute. That I agree with. On uh, third and 30, you, you don't you, have you, to come get Come on, cute. you got to put that. You, you, I know you're a Gannon guy. I'm a Gannon guy, not as big no, as you. I said it that Josiah, day. Get off Josiah the Scott as the deep guy there, trying to disguise that Josiah Scott's going to be on the back end there. <laughs> I yeah, said that, it. That, that, that's a bad call by the defensive coordinator. I said it that day. It's too cute. Just get off the field. You don't need it on third and 30. Right. But I can also say those two things are not mutually exclusive. I should also say you should also get off the field anyway because you should be doing your job. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Understood. But uh, I, I dropped that one more in the defensive coordinator's pocket than the actual player. The player didn't get the job done. That's You could do that every single and just take the defensive coordinator out of it and just say, well, the players play. It's all decided by the players, good, bad, indifferent. The players are the ones who have to actually get it done out there on the field. Then you'd never give the defensive coordinator any credit. You wouldn't give me any blame, but you wouldn't give him any credit either. Uh, I, I think on that play, yeah. I, I believe that you can, on any single play that's run, differentiate between a player doing his job, not doing his job, and a coach doing his job, not doing his job. On that one, yeah, Jonathan. Jonathan Gannon got burned. His player didn't help him any 
but uh, he got burned a little bit there. Um, uh, apparently, we haven't been able to uh, run down Seth Joyner. If we can, we're still going to try and punch him up during the last couple of minutes here today. Uh, one of the things I wanted to touch on with Seth, if we got him up, was playing for a guy like Dan Campbell, who's a pretty outspoken coach, very colorful, was on uh, the HBO preseason show last year, and I really liked the guy. I, I got to be honest with you. I, I it was uh, get get the Lions out of the way week number one for the Eagles and then actually be able to root for them. And a lot of people are thinking they can be the team that jumps up next year and becomes a playoff team. Wasn't I'm a playoff team this year. Can be a playoff team next year. And, and I think rightfully so. So both of us are in that camp. Did you see Zan, uh, Dan Campbell talk about the tush push? He was, I did not. He was all for... Not removing the tush push. He likes the tush push. He thinks. Somebody else, uh, I did see, oh, Sean McVay talking to Peter King uh, was also, you know, for it. He said, don't remove it. Right. Uh, and I I like Campbell's uh, take on it because he said, oh, I'm looking at it from a defensive point of view. We're going to figure out how to stop it. Next year, the Detroit Lions are going to stop the quarterback sneak because the rules are the rules and you have to play by the rules. And yeah, we might take advantage of it at some point on offense, but Oh, we're going to figure out how to stop it. They're not going to do what they did to us last year. Uh, and I'm trying to remember uh, week one. Did the Eagles use it more than that? I don't think they used the tush push. They used the, that they won the game with a sneak, uh, but it was just a regular sneak. Right. They had not, uh, not unveiled the tush push week one, but they were really successful on sneaks, which is why I've said they don't need the tush push. The Eagles right. don't need the tush push. Um, other teams do, which is why I said I could care less if they banned it if I were an Eagles fan, because the Eagles are still going to be really good at, at, at quarterback sneaks. But I love it. I, I'm with you. I think the Lions are going to be, I think they're going to win that division. I think they're going to be a playoff team. But, I mean, come on, Dan. Yeah, but Didn't they have the 32nd-ranked defense in the NFL? Oh, We're going to stop it? He's talking up his defense already. They're going to have that teamed out. They're going to figure out a way how to stop teams from doing worry, that next Worry year. about not giving up 300 yards passing every week. Don't worry about the tush push. Well, That's they're the going to be problems. improved in that because they've got it. I think you probably heard about it. They added that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson guy. So yeah. I and they absolutely they added, believe they're going to be better on the back end of that defense. Well, they might give up 300 but get an extra interception uh, with Chauncey. But they did add Cam Sutton as well. Um, yeah, on paper, they've been proved. And Minnesota and Green Bay are going the wrong way. So. And Chicago not ready yet, so I you got to pick somebody. I'm and picking speaking Detroit. Of, speaking of uh, coaches in that division, speaking out this week, uh, the Green Bay Packer coach already laying the groundwork for lowering the expectations of the Green Bay Packers. That you know, if and when we do trade that Aaron Rodgers guy, Jordan Love, we like him a lot, but he can't be expected to come in and just win immediately. Oh, really? You think Packer fans are going to be acceptable with that? All right. We traded Aaron Rodgers. We got to take two steps backwards and take four steps forward. You think they're going to be cutting Jordan Love? Oh, hell no. How many times have I said, this is how long I've been saying the Packers are the most spoiled fan base in the NFL. 
I, I started saying it, and you probably heard me say this on this show. They've had Hall of Fame quarterback play uninterrupted for a quarter century. Yeah. I started saying that after 25 years. Well, guess what, Jody? It was 32 years. I've been saying it for seven years. I, they're the most spoiled fan base in the history of the world. They don't know how the other half lives when you're trying to find a quarterback. Lightning struck twice. It's not going to strike three times. And oh, by the way, yeah, I'm old enough to remember. um, Prior to both Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, the guy who was the quarterback of the Packers before Favre took over was not too shabby himself. And oh, by the way, had a better nickname than either of the The two Hall of Famers who followed him. The Magic Man. The Magic Man, Don Mikowski. Was a pretty damn good quarterback, not the level of the two that we're talking about, but it wasn't like they had to work their way through Coy Detmer prior to, and then all of a sudden, oh, here's what happens when you've got yourself a star quarterback. Mikowski. Hey, they had Lynn. They they had Lynn Dickey, who was a good quarterback. But you know, one of the things about the mystique of Lambeau Field, I used to always joke that the home field advantage in Green Bay has been the best probably in football over that 30-year span, but it's because of the quarterbacks. Quarterback, it's because yeah. of the team. The the home field advantage, the bonded, did not exist between Bart Favre and Brett Favre to the point, and you're old enough, so you'll know this, Jody, to the point they didn't even play all their home games at, oh, at Lambeau. Oh, they yeah. would go to Milwaukee to play a county stadium half of their uh, a couple games, sometimes three, four games a year. They didn't even care because they were going to win anyway. It did not even exist. But once Brett Favre came, it's been unbelievable, the quarterback playing Green Bay. We went to the state of Wisconsin back in the 90s uh, with a outfit called Major League Vacations. Uh, we used to go to Eagle games. And uh, we went to Wisconsin, went to Milwaukee County State the day before an Eagles-Packers game because the Brewers were playing because we went there in September. And oh, by the way, I got a sunburn. The frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. We went in September and it was like 85 and sunny and I had a t-shirt on. I came back the next day. My arms were all burnt up. But we'd gone to uh, County Stadium the day before to watch the Brewers play. Um, but yeah, I've, I've done the Milwaukee thing and yeah. September is like anywhere else. Yeah. If you really want to get the feel of Lambeau Field, you got to go to a late December, January game, playoff yeah. game. If the all, all, Minnesota and Detroit specifically get upset when they get their home and home series, when they get the the, the Green Bay visit in December. Um, you want that in September. Um, yeah, Minnesota and Detroit now both in dome stadiums. Domes, yeah, you and um, I are both old enough to remember when everybody played outdoors in that division. Yeah. Not happening. The Packers, the only one that's still well in the Bears, but the Bears want to build a uh, dome stadium as well. They want to just they take it completely out. Packers are never going there, are they? I don't think so because of the history, but you never know. I mean, that place is not uh, nice um, from a. Uh, it's it's great from a football for all the people that love. I've been there so many times; it's phenomenal. But it's not comfortable. It's not like uh, you know. There's still bleacher seats. They but yeah. for the fans, the amenities are not there. Now they've done a lot of improvements over the years, 
but it's an older stadium. And you've seen these new stadiums. My God, they're, you know, Jerry Jones, that stadium is just ridiculous. So never say never, Jody. True. Uh, and you stole my word. I was going to go amenities. The amenities are just not there at Lambeau Field, but uh, I that's just me. I don't go to a stadium for the amenities. I go for the football, but others have different ideas when they uh, uh, get a chance to show up at uh, games in professional stadiums. All right. He's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. In case you haven't noticed, somehow we missed communicating with Seth Joyner. Uh, so Seth hasn't joined us. We've still got one more segment to go. We'll come back. We'll put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. I got good news, bad news, and kind of pull back the curtain news for you guys here in our final segment of Birds 365. We tease Seth Joyner 
Um, I reached out to Seth and uh, he didn't get back to me right away. I reached back again. He said, oh, yeah, Jody, apologize. I didn't get back. Uh, let's do tomorrow. I asked him if he wanted to come on Wednesday in our 920 segment. So when they responded to me, he said, I can do tomorrow at 920. So we plugged him in at 920. We already had somebody plugged in at 920. <laughs> so we ended up having to move them because Seth wanted to do 920 today. Well, I just got a text from, text from Seth that said, Jody, my apologies so bad. I meant to say I could do Wednesday at 920, not tomorrow, which when we did it yesterday, tomorrow was today. So we kind of got our days mixed up and it's unfortunate. Uh, so uh, Seth... We're going to effort to get Seth on the show before the week is out. I'm not going to ask John to ask his buddy to change his time for the second time this week. We already moved him once. We're not going to move him again, but we'll try and get Seth on a little later on in the week, maybe Thursday or, or Friday, if that fits his schedule. But he did just reach out to me and said, I apologize. He, he kind of got the days mixed up. But uh, we'll, we'll get Seth up at some point uh, during the week uh, because anytime you get a chance to talk to Seth Joyner, you do it. And hopefully we get a chance to do that uh, before we uh, the week comes and goes. In case you missed, Rick Saratella was on with us earlier. Uh, Ricky gave us some great info and some good speculation on guys and positions and the Eagles. First, uh, the 10th pick, the 30th pick, the late round picks that they have, and what they're going to do as far as potentially trading all over the place. Uh, Eagles had a couple of guys in for a big visit, a couple of Georgia guys uh come in and uh, talk to the team. I asked John this question earlier. Do you read into when the guys come in for a visit? Because I think the first, was it the LSU DT who was like the first guy who came in for a I think it was like March 8th or 9th, which is now almost a month ago. They had their first team visit uh, and they're still doing it. And they're going to do it right up until next week. Uh, do you think later in the process is good? Earlier in the process is good? Does it matter when you come in? Are all visits created equal? How do you read into the timing of when a guy's going to visit the Eagles? Yeah, I don't read it. it mainly because, as I said, that le usually that's scheduling issues. You know, uh, maybe they have visits scheduled with other teams already. Um, you know, maybe you, you say, hey, can we get a, uh, you know, uh, Ringo, for instance, can we get him last week? You asked his agent, Oh, he's in, um, uh, with he's in LA visiting the Chargers, and he said, All right, let's kick it back to next week. So, um, I, I don't put much stock in that part of it. Um, other than as I said, the, the bigger theme is there's a reason you have these players in there's a, there's a modicum of interest, but that's why I brought up the Darius Geis example. I think the assumption from too many is that the interest is always good. It's not necessarily, you know, if the meeting goes well, yeah, you could say, all right, yeah, this is one of our guys. We we're going to put them on the board. Um, you know, there's a potential we might take this player. Then you got to worry about the 31 other teams, of course. Um, cause they might like that particular player where you want to, uh, take them. So all of this factors into it, but you can also have a bad meeting and say, all right, as I, as I brought up with guys and say, this just reinforced our thoughts. We don't want this guy. We don't want to be in business and you take them off the board. So, um, they're, they're important, but I think, uh, most fans read a little bit too much into them. Um, 
and it, they're more fact-finding missions, information-gathering missions um, than anything else. And I can't confirm this, but I was told this by an unnamed source. Uh, when Jalen Carter flew into Philadelphia International, uh, the Eagles did go from the airport to Lincoln Financial Field on 95. They didn't take the back roads down there where they may oh. actually have street racing. Too uh, soon. Too soon. Yeah, can't, can't go there. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Um, but the fact that they did, did bring in Jalen Carter. And Carter said, um, I, I think I registered in my opinion. I don't know if I got yours. Do you like that or not like that about a player? J Carter came out, and it was uh, reported yesterday. He told any team that didn't have a top 10 draft pick, which, oh, by the way, you can trade and get a top 10 draft pick. There aren't rules against the first 10 picks laid out the way they are today. Must be taken in that order in the NFL draft. No. If you're a team that says, listen, we're we're seriously contemplating moving up in the 10th round, are you just going to tell them, well, sorry, you don't have a 10th round pick right now, so a top 10 pick right now, so I'm not going to show up to an interview. I kind of like the confidence that, yeah, I'm a top 10 pick. And if you're outside the top 10, it seems a little pompous and people are questioning his uh, mental fitness. Yeah, I'm surprised how people are spinning that. Do people really think a 22-year-old kid with all these issues is saying, nope, I'm going to go in the top 10 teams. That's true, Rosenhaus. That's true, uh, trying to, to make sure his client goes in the top 10. I firmly believe Jalen Carter has nothing nothing to do with that that is all hit the strategy of his agent um i don't think it's a bad yeah, strategy but the agent's got to run it by the kid right yeah i mean if you're the agent's gonna say we're not taking a top 10 visit while talking i'm sure he told him i'm sure he explained the strategy i'm sure he he alerted him to the strategy but again if you're jalen carter if you're 22 years old and your agent's through Eisenhouse, you're not going to stand up and Maybe there's a 22-year-old kid who's Jalen Hurts is, you know, 24. And as Jeffrey Lurie said, you know, the most mature 24-year-old he's ever met. Maybe there's occasional. But most 22-year-old kids are going to sit and take the advice that especially somebody like Drew is going to give them. My my whole point is he's running. He's running it. It's his strategy. It's his, um, it's his plan. And ultimately, I think it works. I mean, I think he's going to be a top 10 pick. Um, so I think, you know, Drew's doing probably the right thing. But, um, yeah, I'm surprised how many people think Jalen Carter's saying, oh, I'm not going to visit anybody. That's that's Drew Rosenhaus. No, I, I, I'm with you that it is, is certainly more Rosenhaus planning than as a player going thumbing his nose to teams that aren't in the top 10. I'm sure that it was Drew's idea, but – and maybe I'm I'm wrong about this, but I still think the the player's got to be able to give a yay or nay there. And if he really doesn't, he's going to get idiots like Jody McDonald going birds three sixty five and go, how dare he with the issues he has? He's going to start eliminating teams. You don't want to face that if you're Jalen Carter. So if he really was running scared of it, yeah, he should be able to tell Drew Rosenhaus, yeah, no, let's not do this. Well, I, he should. I, but I, I mean, to, at I, the end I, of the. I, at the end of the day, Drew works for him. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's he, could my do, point. He, he could do whatever he wants. I just don't expect that of a 22-year-old kid. Maybe some people do. Um, you know, 
and I, and I know Drew well. He's running the show. He's he's running the show. That's all Drew Rosenhaus. That's a strategy. Again, he could put his foot down. He could fire him if he wanted. He could do whatever he wants. But you know, it's a good agent. Um, no, and I'm not suggesting that that it would come to that. But I I do think Drew Rosenhaus maybe confidently so with a 22 year old kid who's in taking the information rather than all the media across the entire National Football League. Um, he probably can do a good job on selling him of this potential idea. But I'm just saying, if the kid didn't like it and the kid was worried and the kid said, yeah, what happens if we don't go in the top 10 and then I haven't visited and rather than going 12, I end up going 22 because I didn't go take the visit with the team that was sitting there at 12. I don't know how uh, savvy this young man is, uh, but I, I, I do still make it his responsibility. It's his agent. Drew works for him, so I will put this somewhat on his plate. And I'm okay with it because he is a top 10 pick and he's a top 10 talent. And either the team's going to take him or they're not going to take him um, because of his talent. So uh, I, sometimes I don't, I come out against cockiness and overconfidence and the like. But in this particular situation, I'm okay with it. I think Drew Rosenhaus yeah. is playing. And I think, I think Drew, no. and again, that's, you know, I think the top 30 visits are a little bit overrated to be honest and you know there are there you know a team who's not in the top 10 if he falls out of the top 10 they're still doing all their homework and if they want to take the player they're going to take the player they're not going to not take the player because they didn't get him in on a top 30 visit in fact you know a number of you know we go back to the Andre Dillard year which uh the Eagles uh obviously didn't work out for the Eagles but they didn't think Andre Dillard would be there. <laughs> and, would, and he did ended, he even come in for a visit? No. And he they ended had, up being there. They hadn't him in. No. And he ended up being there and they took him. Now, fans will say, well, that didn't work out. So you need a top 30. It's not the only time they've taken a guy in the first round that hasn't been here on a top 30 visit. I mean, that's a small, small, small piece of the pie. No. I, I, I think it's a little bigger than you, but the Dillard thing. Hey, if they really thought he wasn't going to be there and he just happened to fall to him and they take him. No, I'm not going to. Uh, the Andre Dillard era here in Philadelphia was not derailed because they didn't get a top 30 visit with him. They, he was what he was and the situation was what it And we wish him luck in Tennessee. Had nothing to do with whether they did or didn't have him in. All right, but, partner, we'd be out of time. Um, we'll get, we'll get Seth Joyner up at some point during the rest of the week. Don't know what day yet. We got to work out the times, uh, but we will get Seth up. So we apologize for teasing Seth's appearance and then not getting him on today. It happens. It It does happen from time to time. And we will effort getting him on before the week comes and goes. Partner, I'm here tomorrow. You here tomorrow. It will be show number 499. You in? Oh, 499. So close yet so far. We got to get through it, though, Jerry. Let's do it. Maybe we'll have Seth Joyner for our 500 show. We'll at least sell him on that. Try and get him to, to okay that one. Uh, Johnny Mac and I will be back tomorrow, which means we're back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs> 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.